Hi, I'm Owen from Bite Size Irish Gaelic, and welcome to episode 36 Ever a Trochache of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. Even if you're alone learning to speak Irish outside of Ireland, don't despair. Rest assured that there are thousands like you across the globe, all interested in tapping into Ireland's native culture. And for all about this podcast, go to www.bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Karen Reshkin. Karen, can you talk to you? Thank you. Chicago in Palatine. Palatine. As I will snacht go even no can time sure. Uh, tá an sníachta glá inniú, tá sé saith tóli. Hmm, bhí píosín bíog sníachta gwin an teacht an teol limnach as bhí sé úntach a fad. Sínachúl an é. Yeah, so I was just telling Karen that we had a little bit of snow in Limerick uh, this past week and we had great fun. It was like 9pm and all the kids went out again to play, just to make snowballs, so... Karen, you said that you're in the suburbs of uh, Chicago. So it was Mara Bernstein who um, recommended you for the podcast from episode 21. And <laughs> <laughs> sure, um, I, I haven't met Mara, I don't think, but she's been mentioned plenty of times on this podcast by now. And uh, Karen, you're, um, I'll describe you as a musician, like a fiddle player. Um, you work for the uh, Environmental Protection Agency in the States. Uh, we met at a Milwaukee Irish Fest in 2014, and you are an Irish language instructor now um, at Nagoyal in Chicago. Would that, all that be right? Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> so, Karen, like, I was very impressed when you came up um, at, at Milwaukee. I was like, whoa. Your Irish is absolutely excellent, and your husband Mike's as well. Both of you, a very nice accent. Um, You're but, very kind to say <laughs> so. Thank you. Yeah, but was it always like that? Obviously, it wasn't because you had to learn it. So, how would you describe your journey with Irish? Like, was it fun? Was it tough, challenging, or how was it? It's been all those things. Um, <laughs> back. Back when I was in college, my best friend had just come back from a summer in Ireland and she had learned a little bit of Irish and she taught me the things that she knew, just a couple of words. And I was all excited and being somebody who liked to study languages, I sent off for a book right away and this was in the days before the internet and so all I had was a book, not anything to go with it. And by golly, that was hard. And I really wasn't sure what to do with the pronunciation. The spelling and the pronunciation didn't seem to match up very well. And I gave it a go, but I just dropped it after a couple of lessons because I realized I wasn't going to be able to do what I really wanted to do with it unless I could be with other people. So fast mm -hmm. forward, slow forward another 20 years. And my husband, Mike, and I, uh, who met playing Irish music together, 
uh, decided that we were both a bit curious about it. And, you know, we had seen road signs in Ireland and liner notes for CDs and wanted to know what those said. So we enrolled in a class at Nagail in Chicago. And we had uh, a very good introduction to this. Uh, we used a couple of different textbooks that first year. And it was mostly really reading. It wasn't conversation at all. But the second year, there was no intermediate class, so we went straight to the advanced class. And uh, as it, it was quite challenging. And <laughs> I say it was like we went from the, from the bunny rung to the hard rung. It was really tough, and it took us a long time to get comfortable to speak. But eventually we did. Because huh, I would have thought, well, it depends on your personality, I guess, maybe, but like, you could be very much put off by jumping into a tough uh, class like that. So that's interesting. Now, like, I want to dig in a bit, though, because uh, back 20 years before that, uh, when your friend had traveled to Ireland, um, did you have any connection to Ireland or any Irish background? And Oh, just Karen, if you could move your microphone just a little away from your mouth. You well, betcha. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I believe that there is some Irish heritage on my mother's side. There was somebody named uh, Sarah Ann McDallas in the family, but hmm. I don't really know anything more than that. Hmm. So when you were growing up, like you didn't, you weren't brought up in what you might call like an Irish-American family. No, I was brought up in a plain vanilla American family <laughs> where we had, I mean, on my mom's side, French and German and Irish and English. And on my dad's side, they were all Jews from Ukraine, and mm. um, which meant that our household was perfectly vanilla in those days. I mean, there wasn't any foreign language. There were a couple of words of Yiddish that my dad had, but that mm. was it. Um, mm. Nothing. So, so I started taking mm -hmm. French in, in high school and... Mm -hmm. That got me very intrigued in languages, and I didn't even realize how much fun they were until then. So uh, it was natural for me to want to try some other languages. Oh, interesting. So you mentioned that uh, you had seen Irish on road signs in Ireland. So I take it that you and Mike traveled to Ireland, like just, was it like a tourist trip? Uh, yeah, well, it? I mean, we, we went... Uh, we went just the two of us. We weren't with part of a formal tour. And he had been there before. And I had lived in France before. So I was comfortable traveling, you know, in other countries. And we rented a car and we uh, hooked up with any musician friends that we could. And we went from place to place playing music and just had a wonderful time. Hmm. Now, you said um, you didn't realize how fun languages were until you came across French in school. So, uh, you know, the uh, somebody's natural response will be, like, the normal response you hear is, I'm not a languages person, so, and I barely can speak English, so I can't learn a second language. So, uh, do you think that your, your personality is, like, predisposed to learning a language, or... Do people hold themselves back? Or I know like people definitely have different personalities, so um, definitely people are different. But what's your view on that, Karen? Well, I, I know that I am into languages. That's something that uh, delights me, and I have some degree of a knack for it. So 
that's, you know, I, I'm, I've got the courage to try things. But mm. uh, you don't have to consider yourself, uh, you know, super gifted at anything in order to make a great go of it. I've seen people do marvelous things because they were interested, because they had some inspiration, even if they weren't really clear what it was to where they could put it into words. Um, they really just wanted to do this. And that makes all the difference. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter whether you have an Irish background or not. Uh, it's strictly your, your interest and your, uh, your ability to spend little bits of time on it. Not loads and loads of time once in a great while, but a little bit regularly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's definitely what we like to say, bite-sized Irish Gaelic. But, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you mentioned courage. So could you go into that a bit deeper about when you're learning to speak a language? Because it's a good point. Well, I think especially for adult learners, um, we're pretty competent in our day-to-day -day lives. And, you know, everybody has things that make them uncomfortable. But, mm. you know, you can say what you want to say at a pace that seems reasonable and uh, it can be very frustrating then to try to do those same things that seem so simple in your first language and to do them in another language where you have to work at them a bit. Um, and you, you might not want to make any mistakes because you don't typically make mistakes in your own language. Mm. I mean, you can say, I don't want any cream in my coffee. No, 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 stop. Uh, in your own language very quickly. But if you're not fast enough in the target language, um, they might have already poured the cream in your coffee by the time you can get it out. But it's, it's definitely worth a try, and nobody should, uh, nobody should fault you for giving it a try. And I, I think people will be met with more positive reception than they expect. Oh, that's a good point. Like, it, if you do use even a couple of words in, of Irish in Ireland, I think you're bound to get some smiles off the locals so, smiles of respect, I think, and uh, surprise as well, because a typical tourist just um, doesn't come out with a bit of Irish or Irish Gaelic. And uh, the thing is, I guess the people learning to speak a bit of Irish, like they're already on the kind of we're, we're on the weird side. We're not in the middle. We're not average. <laughs> uh, it has to be said. So, you know, you have to be a bit crazy to to want to learn another language like that um but you still have to like you said have a bit of courage and just just try it uh, i love that yeah it's the people who i've come across who've done really well with the language um they, they don't talk about being daunted by it and being like just overwhelmed that's not their focus uh, when they're talking about learning to speak the language it's much more about just trying to, like, for example, describe a little thing that happened that day. And they're happy with the amount that they can already say, even if it's just a word or a phrase, rather than beating themselves up and going, oh, if only I could put this complex phrase uh, into, like, Irish. Um, yeah. My other thought about... Uh -huh just in general people's capacity to learn languages, uh, sometimes I'll get the reaction, oh, isn't Irish supposed to be a really, really difficult language? 
And I say, well, you're asking the wrong person because I trained as a linguist in college, in graduate school. And I know that no language is any more difficult than any other language. Because if you were a baby born into whatever culture you were born into, and presuming that you had, you know, normal vocal faculties and, and mental faculties to do this, you would learn your native language very competently. And so we can't assume that, oh, children from China are much, much more intelligent than children from other countries because they learn that really hard language. No, we all learn our language. They're all equally available to you, and it's just a matter of your determination. There will be differences between your native language and a target language that you're trying to learn, and some will be difficult in other spots than, than mm -hmm. each other. Like in French, you have to really, really work at learning all those crazy pronunciations, and the spellings don't help you much at all. Whereas mm -hmm. in Irish, once you learn that spelling system, it's pretty regular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you yeah, don't have to conjugate verbs to the same extent. I mean, it's not nearly as scary mm -hmm. in several respects. Yeah. Yeah, um, we get that a lot, that um, Irish doesn't, you, do, you don't pronounce the letters like it's written. And, well, you do, but it's just a different set of rules, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you don't pronounce things like they're written in English all the time either. It's just that you've gotten mm -hmm. used to it if you're a native speaker of English. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think, Karen, about like setting your own expectations and how much you think you can learn like in a year or in a month? Be I ask because uh, we regularly ask people who come to Bite Size Irish Gaelic and they take our free email course. And on that course, we ask them, like, what's your goal um, in the next year when you're learning to speak Irish? And plenty of people come back and say, oh, I want to be fluent and be able to speak with my family when I get to Ireland. And I read that with a smile on my face because it's great determination, it's great interest, um, but like nobody's going to be uh, what you might call fluent in a language in a year. Okay, there's ex exceptions and people can focus and uh, go to live in the Gaeltox for a year, whatever, but I'm just taking it that these people are learning maybe on their own or in a small group. And, uh, you know, they have to take their time. So what do you think, Karen, about setting your expectations? Well, everybody probably has a slightly different notion of what fluent means. Mm -hmm. But it's, for me, it's something that would be uh, beyond what a person could typically do in just one year. Um, if I were starting something new today, like suppose I wanted to take up Welsh, mm -hmm. um, I would expect to be able to hold a very simple conversation in a space of a couple of months. I mean, something quite simple as greeting somebody and exchanging names and maybe asking a couple of other simple things about each other. Because it's not just the you saying things. You have to be familiar enough with the kind of things they're likely to say back to you that you won't uh, just faint dead away when it comes to that part of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and are you going to, are you thinking of learning to speak a bit of Welsh? Um, it's crossed <laughs> my mind, but so has Russian, so has Arabic, so, <laughs> so have a lot of things. <laughs> Excellent. 
Uh, Karen, we were talking before um, we started about uh, Devon uh, Blankenship. Am I right That's about right. his name? Um, so tell me about Devon. We haven't interviewed him yet on the podcast, but I think he's been mentioned. So where does he fit into North American Irish language community? Well, he is, in my opinion, the hub of the Midwest American Irish language learners. Um, <laughs> he is quite an enterprising fellow. Uh, I first met him at one of the Irish language immersion weekends in Madison, Wisconsin, a good mm. few years ago now. And he had come all the way up from Bloomington, Indiana, which is where I went to university at Indiana University. Mm. And he was interested in starting to learn Irish and didn't have a teacher there, so he formed a study group, and it all sort of um, grew out from there. And eventually he started having an Irish language immersion weekend there in Bloomington. And uh, I was even, that was the first place I was asked to teach Irish, in fact. He asked me if I would come down and teach the, uh, the plus ones, the not beginners, but the next level after that. And I've done that now three times and enjoyed it very much. Oh, cool. What was it like for you the first time to go and try to teach a, a class in a structured way? Well, it was a flashback because I studied hmm. French and French linguistics at Indiana University. And so it was a hilarious thing for me because I was teaching Irish then, just like I used to teach French in graduate school. Um, hmm about with, within sight of the building where I used to teach French. Here I was teaching Irish. Thank you. Excellent. Um, Karen, you were in Ireland uh, a month or two ago, weren't you? Yes, indeed. We went for the Arachtas Nagelge. Yeah, so we, we almost met, or if you had more time and we had more time to coordinate, we would have, but hey. Um, now, we've mentioned the Arachtas a couple of times. So what is the Arachtas? Arachtas Nagelge. Uh, the Arachtas Nagelge is a wonderful event where it's got the thing most people are familiar with are the competitions. There are competitions in singing, not just Shanno singing, but other kinds of singing as well. And in music, playing music, in dancing, certainly the Shanno's step dancing uh, is not step dancing, but it's a, a, like an ancestor of step mm. dancing, I guess. Um, but there are the television and the radio are there. Uh, all the different booksellers are there. All the different organizations that promote the Irish language are there. And it's a wonderful place to go and just meet people. I met the author of my textbook while I was there, and that was pretty fun. Uh, what textbook is that? We're using Gaelge Gansdro mm -hmm. and Eamon O'Ronnell was there and it was uh, just a delight to get to chat with him. Oh, excellent. And um, when I went to the Rachtis the first time, this is only a couple of years ago, um, I was struck by kind of the energy in the place. You, They start, say, with the Shannos dancing, like you were saying, and it's just the little kids, isn't it? Mm -hmm. They start off with... and. Just tiny little guys on the on the stage, just dancing away, and they really get the the crowd going. And then the the older age groups come out, and the uh, adults stage of the competition. And then at the end, and um, they all come out. I think the different winners are 
of the different categories or every dancer comes out and they're just all doing Shannos dancing on the stage. It's really good. Um, if we can find it, I'm going to link to the Rachtis and I'm going to get to information about it in the show notes for this page. But if I can find, say, a clip on YouTube um, of Shannos dancing at the Arachtis, I'll throw that into the show notes too because it is great fun to watch it. So did you uh, do any kind of late nights as well at the Arachtis? Because there can be a bit of crack later in the evening. Oh, yeah. No, that's always <laughs> part of the plan. Uh, if, if you go to bed before 3 a.m., you're, you're really not trying. Um, we, were, we kept running into people. We had conversations. We played music. Um, there were shows to see. The last night we were there, there was a, um, a stand-up comedy show. Uh, all through Irish, which was marvelous. Um, there were panel discussions during the daytime as well. And my favorite events, really, the ones that made us change our flight plan so that we would be able to be there in time for them, was the uh, the Lubini. I love the Lubini and the Agalaberta, which are humorous uh, competitions for competitions for humorous singing and speech. Uh, in which the uh, singers do a dialogue together, and it's often satirical or humorous, and they're just, they're very clever, they're very witty, and part of my, one of the goals I set for myself was I hoped that I would be comfortable enough with Irish and know enough about current affairs to appreciate humor in these things so that I could laugh at the same time as everyone else <laughs> And so do you kind of uh, just keep track of Irish news? uh, I do. I do. Mm. I'm on Twitter more than other things. And almost all of my Twitter connections uh, are people in Ireland. So I get to hear about all the latest news. Hmm. Do you think that if somebody feels a a bit alone, a bit on their own, learn to speak Irish, um, is it enough to say, reach out and follow some people on Twitter uh, who are using a bit of Irish or how could they kind of interact a bit through f- Twitter or Facebook or... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. On, on Twitter, you can find people who are, who are speaking Irish. Um, on Facebook, there are groups, quite a lot of them now, uh, for people who are learning Irish, studying Irish. And there's even uh, at least one Skype group that I can think of where people get together through Irish. Mm. Yeah, and I think Devin was a bit involved there too. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Karen, do you have a favorite place in Ireland that you like to visit? Oh, wow. There are lots of places that I enjoy. Um, I suppose my two favorites would be uh, uh, Donegal and uh, Connemara. Uh, we were at Edgeskoil in 2013, and the summer before that, we were lucky enough to do a course in Caro at the Aras uh, Martini Hain there. So uh, those are both beautiful places that we got to know a little bit by, by staying there for a couple of weeks. Oh, excellent. And do you, I, I'm guessing you really target the very most advanced classes that they offer, do you? Uh, typically, yeah. Though you can get something from any class. If there's not a class at the level that you're expecting where mm-hmm. you are, um, you can always get something out of 
interacting at any level. Hmm. That's nice. And I think that's a nice, you know, perspective. It comes down to how you approach the learning, doesn't it? In the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, what do you, at your level, what do you kind of target? What do you want to learn when, before you attend uh, any of these courses? Like, what's your expectation? Um, I want to, um, get myself in the zone, I guess, uh, of Mm. being able to speak comfortably in sentences that are a little bit more complex than really basic tashe, tame, um, but, but moving on to say things that are more complex than that and maybe having enough access to vocabulary that I'm not always having to talk around the terms that I don't know the words for. (laughs) Do you throw in much English into your Irish? Boy, it depends on who who I'm talking to. (laughs) I try not to. My husband is actually much more, uh, much better at that than I am. I tend to go code switching uh, without much restraint sometimes, and I really would prefer to not do that so much. (laughs) So you're probably better than the... uh native irish speakers out in connemara well there's <laughs> but they've got their own way of doing it and for them it's perfectly natural yeah they do definitely um back in episode 33 i think i was talking to kerry garfield and if you haven't heard that the, the listeners i suggest you go back because we were talking about inishmian which is part of the aran islands um which is just off the connemara coast and just a really beautiful spot. So, Karen, back over to your place, though. Like, you're part of Nagoyal uh, organization in Chicago. So, could you tell us a bit about Nagoyal? Like, whereabouts in Chicago are they based? And uh, what does the organization get up to? Well, the organization has been around for oh, more than 20 years. And it's small. All the teachers are volunteers. Um, people do pay to attend the courses, but it's, um, I think, a very reasonable fee, and it gets you the textbooks and any other ancillary things that you might need. We meet at the Irish American Heritage Center uh, Wednesday evenings and Saturday mornings, and if you sign up uh, for a semester, if you wanted to go to both the Wednesday night and the Saturday morning classes for the same fee, you'd be very welcome. Um, not too many people do that, but if you have the time to spend on it, that's fantastic. And it really helped us to make advances during our first year. Hmm. Um, we have beginners, intermediate and advanced on Saturdays. And right now I believe there's just beginners and advanced, uh, or, yeah, beginners and advanced on, uh, Wednesdays. And what's the kind of mix of people who attend? Like, do you get any Irish people, like people who grew up in Ireland attending, or what's the motivation you find with people who come along? Most of the people are Americans who were who grew up in America and who want to get in touch with their Irish heritage. Sometimes there are uh, there have been actually several Irish people from Ireland who wanted to brush up on their Irish and they fit in quite comfortably. Hmm. And the funny thing with them is so often they'll say, "Oh, you know, I don't remember anything. I'm." I just, you know, I studied all that much and I don't remember a thing. And once they warm up and relax a little bit, they're actually very good. They they <laughs> underestimate how much they have. And it's the language, if you studied it, 
no matter what level you've achieved in it, if it's like rehydrating, uh, once you once you work at it a bit again, <clears throat> you'll be you'll be back at it. It mm. comes back. Excellent. Yeah. Like Karen, just to finish off. So today, if somebody who's listening and they're they're very interested in Irish, they keep it up. Uh, they keep listening to this podcast, and hopefully, if there's any lessons around in their area, they attend that. But what would be your suggestion, your top tip, maybe for a learner who they feel like they haven't really gotten off the ground? Uh, they might have learned a, a few phrases, but they feel like they just can't get any further. What would you say? Oh, I've got all sorts of thoughts about study ah. techniques, but this sounds more like uh, you're needing some motivation. And I would <laughs> say get in touch with somebody. Mm. It's It could be through Facebook. Social media is such a handy way to do this. It could be Facebook. It could be uh, Instagram. It could be uh, uh, Twitter. And find somebody, somebody you can follow and comment on. And usually if you comment on somebody or you reply back to them in Twitter, there'll be the opportunity for a little exchange. And once you've actually got somebody to interact with, that really um, gives you possibilities. It's not as, as academic anymore. It's real. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And you're, you're right. Do you, um, what do you think about study that like you mentioned, uh, not, uh, spending too long in big chunks learning, but just uh, maybe a sprinkling more regularly. But when you get down to it, Karen, like, do, are you sitting down with a dictionary and a book? If you're, if you're learning alone, what would you do? Um, How do you approach I would, it? I would try reading something and I would make notes of words that I didn't recognize but I would try to not look them up right away hmm. and just plow ahead and let, let yourself have whatever Zen experience it is of glorying and not fully understanding everything. Mm, Treat it as like an exotic it. situation and see what you can make of it. You can be a detective and just, you know, shoulder your way through it and then go back and try it again. And you'd be amazed if you go at a text a couple of times in a row, how much easier it gets on the subsequent tries. Oh, I love it, Karen. And I have to say, um, I do appreciate what comes out as your your positive attitude towards learning. You know, like I was saying, people beat themselves up too often and um, you really have to just go with the flow, as the Zens might say. <laughs> <laughs> no, people are far too hard on themselves and there's so mm. much so much pleasure to be gotten out of it. Mm. Excellent. Well, Karen, good meal, Mahagut, Asta Hudamenyov, Asta Lassira. Good meal, Mahagut. So thanks a lot to Karen. And what you can do, you can participate in this discussion. So if you have thoughts or comments, you can come to the show notes page for this podcast show. And what happens is the comments are open just for about two or three weeks after the show gets published. And then uh, the comments get closed. Um, so if you want it, you have to come along to bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast and just find episode 36. If you're loving the show, the best you can do on iTunes is to leave us a written review. The more reviews that are added to the show, the more times it's suggested to more people and we can spread the word to people who might be interested in their Irish heritage 
and maybe they want to learn to speak the Irish language a bit too. So you can send listener questions and any feedback you might have or suggestions for guests. Just email info at bitesizeirishgaelic.com. Thanks to Tukumo for their music, which you hear on this episode under a Creative Commons license. Until the next episode, Slán Gafoil. Bye for now.